Last time on the Screen the Screener podcast. Is that Mark Gottfried, in what I think is ridiculous the way this has been handled, has officially been fired as the North Carolina State head coach. However, he will finish the season. As far as like a leader and as far as a person that's going to be a teacher and an educator for these student athletes, what other lesson do you want those student athletes to take from their college experience except when you're dealt an unbelievably raw deal, you make the absolute best of it and you stay committed to what you started? Gus, I'm calling out Nigel Hayes. Nigel Hayes has been a massive disappointment this year in my mind. The guy is Casper, the ghost. He disappears in major, major situations. But when they have struggled this year, he's nowhere to be found. They play UNC on November 23rd. The guy has eight points. They need him to score. How about Gus on January 28th when they're on the road at Rutgers in overtime, which is a game that really could have hurt their season? Seven points last night when you know that your point guard, senior, Bronson Koenig, good friend, you cannot come out and have six points. I'm sorry. He's just way too passive. But at some point, you're being selfish by being unselfish. Nigel Hayes, you have disappointed. You're not sniffing an All-American team right now. The team has lost two in a row. You lost at home to Northwestern without Scotty Lindsay, and you had a mild 13 points. You had six points at Michigan. He's got to step it up. Nigel Hayes, where are you? Man, Gonzaga just overpowered a pretty decent San Fran team. 96-61, and this game was actually pretty close at the half, if you can believe it. What Gonzaga is doing this year is totally under the radar. You think like, oh, it's just same old Gonzaga, right? They're out on the West Coast doing their thing, the WCC. That, that's what they do every year, right? Wrong. This team's so special. So please, just remember that we told you how special they were going to be all the way back in October. I can't stop gushing about them. So impressed. Listeners, listen to this. We're going to attack Broadway with a different flair this time. Frame. This is going to be great. So I decided to challenge Gus for 10 picks on Saturday. And what are we going to say, Gus? What's the loser going to do here? Oh, okay, great. Uh, Yes, there are some stakes for this. The loser has to sing a Grammy-nominated song, since the Grammys were last week, of the winner's choice. Baylor is a bad matchup for Kansas. I don't think they have an answer for Motley. I like the Bears, Gus. Give me the Bears minus one and a half at home against Kansas. I'm going down with the ship. I think they win this game outright. Give me Kansas. I'm going to go with the fairy dust type season that the Jayhawks have been having, and I think it continues here. And not only do I think it continues here, I think this win then cements the next Big 12 title for the Jayhawks and Bill Self, and they do it in fine fashion by beating a top five team. Because Clemson stinks. Okay, they're they're not good. They're not good. I knew you were gonna go here. They're I not, knew it. They're not good. Brommel, it's done. It's over. They're fourteen and eleven, four and nine in the ACC. Here comes Miami. By the way, seventeen and eight, seven and six in the ACC. I'll take Miami, and all I got to give is three and a half. Really, no problem. Xavier is very banged up right now. I don't know if Blewett's playing. He did not play against Providence, and they lost there. We know Mm -hmm. Sumner's out. Marquette needs this game. Wojo's good at home. They beat Mm -hmm. Villanova at home. Three and a half. I'll give it. Give me Marquette minus three and a half over Xavier. Give me Nova on the road against Seton Hall. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to cover. 
The line's about six. Uh, I really like Nova in this game. I think they're still remembering that Big East matchup uh, in the Big East finals at Madison Square Garden last year. This will be a little payback on their home floor. Plus, I think Nova is playing really efficiently right now. I mean, although their guards are playing out of their heads, Carrington's playing really well. Uh, Angel Delgado is, is um, with Biggie Swanigan among the, le- the nation's leader in rebounding. Even with that, give me Nova to cover. I'm going to say give me Cincinnati and all of those points. So they're favored by about 16. So give me Cincinnati Ooh. on the road to cover with the 16 points over Tulsa. Wow. I think, I think that even though their pace of play and the number of points they're going to score, I, I think they're just playing really efficiently offensively. I think they come out of the malaise and get over that hangover uh, off of the loss of MSU, of SMU, and then go ahead and get things straightened out here against Tulsa with a really big win. Give me them by 20. We thought Oregon was in trouble at Utah, right? But they squeaked it out. We did, yeah, yeah. And then they they went to Colorado and lost. Well, now Colorado's coming to Oregon, Gus. (laughs) And all I got to give is 11. I'll gladly give 11. I I think there's going to be mayhem up in Oregon. Dylan Brooks will be dunking left and right. Yeah, give me Oregon minus 11. Much like the Cincinnati game, give me Wichita State on the road against one of last year's darlings. That's a good one. I have it down, yeah. Yeah, Uh, and I'm going to say I think that they're going to cover the 15.5 point spread against Northern Northern Iowa. I I, I just don't – I think that that could be a fishy line too. I think that they've just been killing people. If you just go back to that Illinois State game, I mean, they won that game by, what, like over 30 points? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say give me the 15, and I think they win comfortably. I think this is similar to the Cincinnati game, and they win by 20-plus. Staying with Semi. Only two and a half at Houston. I know, but I think SMU is really good, and they're rolling right now. I know I'm going against interconference, favorite on the road. It's only two and a half. Three-point win means I win. They beat Cincinnati. They had the, the uh, hangover game, and they're rolling. I'm, I'm a believer in SMU. Minus two and a half. Arizona doesn't blow anybody out. They just don't. Last time they blew someone out was UCLA. I like Romar. I think Fultz is going to have a moment here at some point. Nine and a half's a lot. Intra-conference, favorite on the road. Washington plus nine and a half. Interesting. Arizona wins six to seven, five, six, seven, something like that. Why they didn't blow Washington out at home? Why are they gonna blow them out on the road? I'll take the nine and a half. UCLA's really good. I know USC. It's the battle, but the battle's not in USC. The battle's in UCLA. Last time it was in USC. USC won. Correct. USC beat them at home. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Now it's time to pay them back, and they're gonna pay them back and roll. Um, I know Boatwright's back, but UCLA at home going to be a high-scoring game. Give me the Bruins after the big comeback against Oregon. I'll give the 9.5 with the Bruins. That's insane. I missed that game. That is absolutely insane. I missed it because I remember looking at it. It was so obvious to me, I didn't put it down. There ain't a prayer in hell that Virginia's winning that game in UNC. No chance in hell remember when vince mcmahon used to come out for professional wrestling no chance no chance that's what you got gus there is no way virginia's winning that game i'm so mad i didn't pick it north carolina's rolling that's i i I just i know let me guess ty jerome's gonna have 15 no way 
from the sun, driving to the sun, looking out for number one, California. Come right back where we started from. Hustles grab your gun, shadow weighs a ton, driving down the 101. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The last full week of February is here, which means March is a-coming and coming fast. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast. We talk all things NCAA basketball with you. And thank you, Gus, for that great rendition of California by Phantom Planet. Gus, not the first time you've sung on the podcast and yet another example of your range of talents here on display. Uh, that's what happens when you lose the bet head-to-head with Mike Randall. Congratulations on the win, Mike Randall, on our 10-pack of picks. I'm going to recommend if we do that next weekend, we do like a four-pack or a six-pack. Does that sound fair? Uh, I, I reject that because the only chance I have to, to win is to force your hand, and that was part of the strategy. Because no. if I just sit back and let you do your Yoda-esque, you jump in with one or two, you're like 90% on the year. So my only chance of winning was to force you to pick games that you may not have a feeling on. So maybe we could do four, but that's not going to go well for me. Ah, so you're trying to stretch me out. I, I see the strategy here, Mike Randall. It's, it's good morning, good afternoon, good evening, <laughs> listeners out there. We're so happy to have you in for this Screen the Screener podcast that we're fabricating on February 20th, 2017. Like Mike said, we are knee-deep in conference season, and we are looking forward to March. We just want to say thank you, listeners out there, for plugging us in to your headphones, to your commute, however you may be consuming the Screen the Screener podcast. Thank you, listeners out there, so much. We're humbled, we're thankful, and we're generally unbelievably eager to go ahead and talk about all these games with you. So, uh, Mike, I'm just going to say congratulations on the win. Very nicely done. And, of course, California is an apropos pick because many of your games were West Coast games that you won, Mike Randall. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Again, folks, we really have to be full disclosure here. If you were tracking along with us, which I know some of you were, Gus started off 4-0 on Saturday. I started off 2-2, and that includes his Baylor win. So, honestly, folks, I thought this one was done. I actually said congratulations to Gus. It's over. We put it out on Twitter. Uh, he started off just crushing it with he had Cincinnati, which, by the way, you called by 20 and you nailed it on the head. It was a 16-point spread and you nailed it. Nova blew out Seton Hall. We'll get to that game in a little bit. Love that game. Uh, you had Wichita State, one going away. And then you win the Kansas game. I'm 2-2. Two and two. NC State let me down. Got good, Got a good result with Miami there. Definitely. And the Baylor one hurt. I got Marquette, but like, you just thought it was over. And and I turned it off. I'm out with the family. Gus is out with his. We're going back and forth. 
to be fair, I didn't even check it till Sunday morning. And I text Gus. I go, I, I think I, I, I won this somehow. Uh, ended up 6-3-1. and one, Gus 4-5-1. And, and again, folks, Gus is 13-4 and four in these fishy lines that he puts out. He went 1-1 one and one on Saturday. He feels like he lost. He went 1-1. Uh, one one. Listeners, I'm so disappointed. I'm very sorry we lost the Dayton game for you. We nailed the Wichita State game for you. Uh, I felt like Dayton was ready to pull away by double digits, and they end up winning just by six. Really sorry, listeners. We'll have a couple more for you this week to make sure that we get it right and get you on the right side. Yeah, and that's the only way, folks. Again, I mean that totally seriously here. We, I have to challenge the king. The only way I'm going to beat him is if I try to put it. It's like it's like us making Virginia go up and down the floor. We'll get to that <laughs> a little bit. Like we just, I can't win any other way. So making, nice making Gus pick 20 picks or whatever it is is my only chance. Uh, because if we had just picked the first four that we liked and we went in order, right, Gus? We picked the ones that we liked the most. You beat me 4-0 to 2-2. So it really was stretching it out that helped a little bit. But We, we might need to consolidate <laughs> the amount of picks next week if we do this again. That's my that's my only caveat I'd like to throw out for moving forward. Uh, how about you pick four and I'll pick like 100 and maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll go over percentages. Anyway, well, it's a lot of, folks, we hope it was a lot of fun. It was fun for us. It was a really exciting Saturday in college basketball. So let's just roll right in here to news and notes, okay? News and notes from the hardwood. All right, Gus, I guess we have to start with the big one, Baylor-Kansas. Baylor gave this one, Gus, their absolute best shot. It just wasn't enough. The two things I had talked about to win a big game they needed, right? They needed to control the tempo, check. They did that. And Very they, good. And they can't put themselves in a situation where they have to score late in the game. No check on that one. That was uh. the problem. The Bears led the entire game until a Frank Mason jumper with just under 11 minutes in the second half. Mm-hmm. Manuel Lacan came back a few minutes later, about 7.50 left, and he gave Baylor back the lead. Gus, they held that lead all the way through to 12 seconds left when Landon Lucas, by the way, makes two huge road free throws. But what's frustrating to me is that last three minutes, man, they had opportunities. There was no scoring in this game for like the last two and a half minutes. Baylor, you're home. You're the underdog. That just can't happen. Gus, the Kansas team has grit has determination. They never panic when they're down early. We've seen it against Kentucky on the road. We've seen over and over again. You have said it. There is some magic in the air. Cue David Copperfield because it's certainly there. Yeah, there's a little fairy dust happening with the Jayhawks. Now look, Baylor's good. They're very good. Elite eight good. Maybe final four good. let's, Let's not ignore that fact, please. But the past few weeks revealed a weakness for the Bears. It's no fault of the program, no fault of Coach Drew, and certainly no fault of All-American to be John Motley. But I think it's something for even the Pelicans to pay attention to. So Pelicans, even with your big trade for Boogie, you need to pay attention to this logic here. That's okay? unbelievable highway robbery trade. So can we just go on a little diatribe right there? Like, you know, just riff on this a, a smidgen. If if the Knicks had to pay three first-round draft picks for Carmelo. Yeah, so true. And they only had to pay one first-round draft pick for Boogie? I, I don't get it. I it, just don't get it. And, Gus, you and I have argued in the past about DeMarcus Cousins. The talent is there. I'm not arguing oh. the talent. Um, I just would never want him on my team because of the attitude. However... I do recognize that trading one first-round pick for him to team him up bump and thump with Anthony Davis is is insane. So if you're looking for some, like, more, I don't know, NBA talk, please hit up the Almighty Baller podcast. Oh, yeah, no doubt. doubt. They have all things NBA on lockdown. So if you're looking for some further insight uh, for the trading deadline, which is upcoming, 
uh, maybe a recap of the events of All-Star Weekend, which were pretty cool, always awesome, love the three-point contest, incredible. Um, hit those guys up, Almighty Baller Podcast. They are your NBA source for all of your NBA information. But back to Baylor. So their future NBA player, it plays the four. Not a stretch four, not a ball-skilled four, but a real body who can defend, rebound, and play in the post, like a four, a power forward. The trouble is, Motley is not the type of four like, say, maybe Ingram from Duke last year, who could bring up the ball anytime and initiate the offense. He's not a big, he's not a four like Biggie Swanigan, who can hit threes, grab an offensive board, or just overpower people down low in the low post in college. And he's certainly not a four like the four he was matched up against, Josh Jackson. The KU Frosh is forced to start in the four spot because of um, limitations uh, injury-wise and roster limitations for the Jayhawks. Uh, But he has just about every level of skill set that you would like, uh, very Ingram-like. And he's not even like a TJ Leaf-type four who's like a deadly spot-up shooter on the pick-and-pop or the pick-and-roll and he finds open space off of Lonzo Ball's penetrations. That said, Motley, for better or for worse, is very highly dependent on the guards getting the ball in his hands at the right time. And that's exactly what they fell prey to in this particular game. They could not get the ball in his hands at the right time in the right place. And then once the ball is in his hands, we saw that he had trouble closing down that one play, that one game where he had the inbound pass, where he kind of muffed, and then he had another opportunity on offensive rebound that he couldn't put a bunny back with. So, like, even when presented with, you know, John Motley-like type scoring situations, he has trouble. In a single elimination tournament, this poses a big problem for Baylor and every other team that has this type of superstar. To be honest with you, that was a big problem with that Kentucky team with Carl Anthony Towns. The Harrison boys and Booker needed that ball, But the thing that made that team special was Carl Anthony Towns made them all better with the ball in his hands. And at crunch time, in that loss to Wisconsin, they could not get the ball in his hands at the right time. The same thing might happen to this Baylor team. Mike, what else did you see here? I saw a window into what Baylor's strengths and weaknesses are. Baylor is going to be a very difficult matchup for a team that has never seen them. Call it the Syracuse effect from last year. Yes. Motley, LeConte is playing really well. Someone used to rip on LeConte, and they said, how is he going to be good Baylor? Basically, Miami didn't want him. It doesn't work that way. No, LeConte's been awesome. uh, You know, they're not going to get into foul trouble. I don't see them losing in the first round. We're going to play this back, by the way. (laughs) It doesn't work out, but I don't. (laughs) I I think the presence of Motley and LeConte, the big and the the guard, is going to take them through. But they're going to have trouble with teams that have talent. You hit it on the head when you started this. Elite 8-ish, Sweet 16-ish. They, mm. need, they, don't, they don't have outside shooting except for LeConte. And you saw at the end of the game he got doubled. Yep. Gus, what is he, 5'10", maybe? Maybe 5'10"? P- pushing it. Pushing he's it, he's getting doubled. Now, Motley can make threes. Jolo is not an offensive threat late in the game. Now, we've, we've seen that before at Kansas so they're looking for a Wainwright shot. They're looking for Al Freeman. Keep shot. Right. Like, there's not, not enough. So they have to control the tempo. They have to hit the boards hard. That's what I saw. It was a valiant effort. But to me, this is more about the greatness of Kansas. Mason yep. Jackson with the baseline dunk with about 30 seconds left or two minutes left, whatever. Yeah, about two minutes. That's what it's about. Lucas has played so well. He stayed out of foul trouble. 
Graham hits big shots. It's a great Kansas win. Bill Self is going to win his 13th straight, isn't he? You're darn right he is. Yep. It is crazy. It's like incomprehensible. And like if you if we were to hit like the rewind button and go like two and a half weeks back, like there's no way we'd be spouting off that statement. Like Bill Self is going to win his 13th. It was so cloudy back then. And now it just seems so clear. Uh, Kansas has a three-game lead with four games to play. They're 24-3 and three overall, 12-2 and two in conference. Yeah, you heard me right, 12-2 and two in conference. They're ahead of Baylor. They're ahead of West Virginia. And don't look now. Guess who's sneaking back in? Iowa State Cyclones. Oh, uh, that's your team. Gus, they are sneaking back in really yeah. quick. People jumped off of them, including myself. Okay, mm-hmm. you would have them be. I totally jumped off them. They are very quietly coming back into the picture. They lost three out of four early. They lost to Gonzaga. They lost to Cincinnati. By the way, they lost to Gonzaga by two. They lost to yep. Cincinnati by one. Yep. And they beat Omaha and lost at Iowa. That's when everyone jumped off, including myself. They had back-to-back losses to TCU, and then they lost at home to Kansas. But very quietly, they have come forward again. And tonight, Gus... They are currently up two points with 10 seconds left in OT in a vital game against Texas Tech. Wow, very quietly. That is a huge game. Monte Morris has 23-6-4. Thank you very much. Matt Thomas has, has 20. Burton only has two. This would be a huge win for them. So can I, can I just go – can I just spread some Monte Morris love real fast now that we're on him? Go for it. Yeah. Floor is yours. So Monte Morris this season – you know, we, we've talked on previous podcasts how his turnover to assist ratio is like through the roof ridiculous. So, so far this season, he's averaging, are you ready for this? Go for it. Less than a turnover a game. Oh, that's incredible. That's okay. Incre- that was your prediction. You perspective? That was your crazy prediction. Yeah. Put in perspective. Ready? Lonzo Ball, 2.6 turnovers per game. Okay. Let's take another talented freshman. Dennis Smith Jr., 3.3 turnovers per game. Wow. Okay. Maybe the first overall pick in the NBA draft, Markel Fultz, 3.2 turnovers per game. Wow. Okay. One impressive guy on the list here is your guy, uh, Rayhan from St. Mary's, 1.7 turnovers per game. Which is incredible, by the way, just not in comparison to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> it's still incredible. That's amazing. Like it's 1.7, and he's not even in the same conversation as Monte Morris. Frank Mason, possibly first team All American or lock it up first team All American. 2.5 turnovers per game. Nigel Williams Goss, 2.0 turnovers turnovers per game. And this is with Monte Morris playing over 35 minutes a game. Wow, it is nuts. The stats he's putting up are absolutely ridiculous, through the roof, outrageous. And anybody that does not recognize his greatness as a college basketball player, and to be per- perfectly honest, like NBA scouts that don't find a spot for them on, on their team are just silly as well. The guy is unbelievable. He's a winner. All he's done is win his all four of his years there at, uh, at Iowa State, and he's done nothing except make other people better. And he's going to continue to do so. I hope they make the tournament. I hope he has a, a moment to shine. Sorry, I just need to go off a little bit on Monte Morris. No, and, and it's well-deserved. Because when we do our recap at the end of the year and we go over the predictions, that's going to be one of the best ones. Because you were all over it. You said he was even going to be better than this year than he was last year. His assisted turnover ratio was going to be better. And he has been. And he's gotten Iowa State single-handedly. I understand Thomas is a shooter at three threes tonight. 
Burton has been up and down for them. He has single-handedly guided this team, and they are going to make the NC tournament, and they are going to be very, very live. They have the key to the kingdom, Gus. They beat Kansas in Kansas. They have that key. That will get them in. And folks, they just won 82-80 over Texas Tech in overtime. That there that moves them to 17 and 9. They are 9 and 5 in conference. That is a huge huge win for them, folks. They are the real deal. What a win for them right now. Iowa State, great great job. Wow, they have really come back completely. Um yeah, they're going to be dangerous in March. We'll talk more about them later. Speaking of being dangerous in March and having a March resume, number two, Villanova. Oh, dear Lord. Absolutely wiped the floor with Seton Hall, 92-70. What do you got with this one? Uh, real simple here. The Pirates led 11-10 on a Delgado jumper, but after Josh Hart dunk at the 14-38 mark of the first half, the Hall never led again. Gus, this team, Seton Hall, has way too much talent to be 16-10 and 10 overall in 6-8 in conference and tied with St. John's and Providence for six. Kevin Willard, you've done a bad job. A real bad job. There's way too much talent on this team. Kadeen Carrington, Desi Rodriguez, Angel Delgado, and then Miles Powell, freshman we talked about. You mentioned him very early, Gus. There's no way this team should be anywhere near the bubble for March, but that's where they are. And right now they're on the wrong side of it. My take is also very simple here. The Hall's done. And I'm not sure why. They have they have a lot of guards that take it to the hole, that take it hard. They have a big man rebounder. They have success to fall back on. Uh, last year's Big East tournament title. I don't get why those things aren't adding up to more wins in the Big East. I guess it speaks to the Big East being a grind and it being one of the toughest conferences, one of the most underrated conferences in the country. But still, I just don't get it. I I guess we can expect like a nice win at MSG come tournament time from the Hall in a month or so. When they And then everybody can ask, can they make another magical run to the title game? No. No, they can't, and no, they won't. Sorry, at Wyka 78 Hall is cooked. They're done. They're toast. But what about Nova? No, Nova is, is the real deal. Jalen Brunson went 7-for-7 seven seven from the field, 22 points, 10 assists. He's been an exceptional, exceptional player. Huge improvement. He was, and he was good last year. As a sophomore, I saw some stat where he's like one of only a few people who've ever had 20 points and 10 assists while not missing a shot from the field. So, some crazy thing like that. He's wow. a, He's a second-leading scorer, 14.6 per game for Nova. Hard at 19. Jenkins had five threes. Oh, by the way, Gus, Dowell Reynolds didn't even play in this game because he was out with a rib injury. Phil Booth may not play this year at all. This was the opportunity for Seton Hall, and they didn't just lose. They got destroyed. Yeah. Jay Wright just slid Eric Pascal and Michael Bridges into the lineup. They didn't even miss a beat. I love Pascal, real hardworking guy. I don't know how Seton Hall Gus can lose by 22 without Darrell Reynolds. It's embarrassing. You know what? I, I feel the same. But as as down as we are on Hall, maybe just maybe that just means that Villanova is just unbelievably good again, and 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 we're kind of not seeing it the way that we should see it. So. Maybe we just need to pay attention to how good Villanova is the next couple of games and really get a better a feel on them and, and and what Coach Wright is doing with his rotation. By the way, it, real, nothing else. By the way, really quickly, I just want to update because they didn't update the score when I was looking at it. Iowa State is now ten and five in the conference and eighteen and nine overall. I'm staring at the standings right now, Gus, for the Big Are Twelve. Are they at the Baylor? That's exactly what I'm going to say. That is exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. Kansas twelve and two. 
West Virginia ten and five, Iowa State right. ten and five, Baylor nine and five. Unbelievable. Oh so Iowa State's in, folks. Put them in. That, that's automatic. That it's kind of crept up on me there. They are in and they are live. Sorry. Hey, I I, I love like the in podcast yeah, like uh, update <laughs> slash uh, uh, sidebar. I, I, I want sorry. more of those. I th- I hope the listeners are okay with all of that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, number fourteen, UVA gets whipped up by number ten UNC in a UVA type of game, sixty-five forty-one. Okay, you ready for this? UNC needs to be included in every conversation that is ta- that takes place from here moving forward about anybody winning the title this year in 2017. They also need to be considered for a number one seed after they are going to beat Duke at Chapel Hill. They'll be in line for that number one seed. People will ask, how are they better after losing an All-American like Bryce Johnson and a backcourt staple like Marcus Page, but somehow they are. Here's one of the reasons they are. Not the whole reason, just one of the reasons. Justin Jackson and Joel Berry II have more freedom and they have more ball responsibility. And that freedom and ball responsibility is a good thing. Talk about efficient. Talk about efficiency on offense. Those two guys are something to watch. How they move without the ball and how they operate with the ball in their hands shooting the ball. And I got to tell you what, UVA is off all radars now. I was kind of thinking that maybe Monday, tonight, they would get back on the ropes, get back on the right track with maybe a win against Miami, but that certainly didn't happen either. I want to say don't sleep on this program. I want to say they're doing great things, but right now they are in full mode free fall. They need to write the ship immediately. They need to find answers, but I don't know if those offensive answers are there for them. They will continue to play hard defensively, but... I have to tell you, as much as you were fortune-telling correctly about UVA, I haven't jumped ship yet on them, but I'm definitely – the panic meter is at an all-time high for me with the, with the Caps. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just watching UVA on offense. Listen, it, it's about the lens that you look at them through. Here are my thoughts for what they're worth. Tony Bennett's done an unbelievable job with this team. Outstanding. No one gets more out of his players. The athletes that they have on this team are not incredible athletes, but they're good athletes. But they're not good basketball players all around. The good basketball players that they have on this team are not athletes. That is a bad, bad mix. I'm done. I'm done with UVA. I'm picking them for a first-round loss unless they play someone that I think they can really match up with. Gus, it's this simple. And I've tried to evolve throughout the year on this. In a freedom of motion year, with the athletes that these teams have, Kansas, Kentucky, Villanova, this isn't going to work in March. If it didn't work with Malcolm Brogdon, it's not working with Jack Salt. Okay, Tonight, they played a Miami team, Gus, that they needed to get right. They needed to beat this team at home. Here are the numbers. Wilkins, 10 points. Jack Salt, 2 points. Shayok, 8 points. Hall had 15. London Parentis against Miami, 2 of 15 in a must-win at home. Just not going to cut it. I'm done. I'm off of Virginia. It is not against them with what they have on the team. They've done an amazing job. They don't measure up. Uh, you know what I think? 
I think the loss of Austin Nichols has finally caught all the way up. With maybe, him. maybe they, you're right. They were they were able to kind of like do a little smoke and mirrors, uh, patch it together. But I think finally it's caught up with them, and the warts are showing on offense because he's a very gifted offensive player and an underrated defensive player. But we don't need to belabor the UVA point. I'm saddened by it. You're bored by it. Listeners, don't give up on them yet is what I'm going to say. Uh, hopefully we can revisit them at, with them finding some success uh, later on this season. We hope, and if not, we've proven Mike Randall correct once again, even after his big betting win this weekend. One of the things I got right this weekend was Wichita State overpowering last March Starling University of Northern Iowa, 73-44. to 44. And voters, congratulations. You finally started noticing this year's Shockers team, and you voted them in this week's top 25 at number 25. Been telling you guys for a while, Frosh Landy Shamit, he's the real deal. 6-4 point guard, has a 3-to-1 turnover assist ratio, not quite Monte Morris-like, but still very nice and very serviceable as a freshman. And he does a little bit of everything for this team. Throwing a little bit of uh, Marcus McDuffie with reliable big men, Shaq Morris and Daryl Willis Jr. And we have another live Shockers team. Mike, did you get your eyes on this current group of Shockers yet, or is the jury still out? No, jury's not out, and and you turned me on to them, and you have been right lockstep with this team all year long with the Illinois State. I don't know who would win that game if they play for a third time in the conference tournament. All mm. I'm going to do is ask you what's going to happen, and maybe take a little walk down to places if betting was legal and go with that, uh, because it, Wichita State... They don't have the big scores that they've had in the past, but they are balanced. They know how to win. Great coach, great team. Really want to see Illinois State, Wichita State in that conference tournament final. I do because that's a playing game, basically, as much as both teams have played well. I don't think either one is getting in with an at-large. But you've been on them all year long. Huge win for Wichita State. They are reestablishing themselves in the Missouri Valley Conference. Totally agreed. And come on, I'm totally rooting for round three for that as well. Uh, I want both kind of like, you know, we were rooting for uh, St. Mary's and Gonzaga to hold serve for round two. I'm hoping that both of those teams in the Valley can hold serve for round three in the conference finals. I hope they meet up totally with you on that. Number 18, Cincinnati, your secret crush, Valentine, overpowers Tulsa 80 to 60. The Bearcats are doing what they do. They are holding people to the accustomed 60-ish points on defense. But the big change that we've mentioned before is that they are putting up over 80 with regularity. 80 points. This must feel like a new toy for Coach Cronin on like Christmas Day. Like he doesn't even know what to do with. Like he opens it up and he's like, where do I put in the batteries? Where do I press go? What can I do with this thing? Like he, he must be just so excited. The offensive options here are efficient and they're varied. And guess what? That makes 24 straight home wins for Cincy. And you know what? Give Coach Cronin 300 total wins. Congrats, Coach. So happy that he is healthy, happy, and on the sidelines again doing his thing because last year, you know, he had some health problems. So congratulations, Coach, on the wins, but also congratulations, Coach, on finding life balance and being healthy enough to do your thing and help student athletes find success on the sidelines. Well done, Coach. And by the way, did you see his jacket? That's tremendous. That jacket was super smooth, man. Super smooth. So it's super incredible. He he is upping his fashion game. We like it. Hey, 
Um, did you did you get that Valentine out to him, Mike, or, or is he still, is he looking for it in his mailbox? Yes, guys, I've tried to get him on the show multiple times. I'm not quite getting the response that I, I want here. But it's very like good, very a, good. Like a scorned lover, you don't give up, right? You keep dropping your books near them or scouting them out and becoming a stalker. It's fine. I don't mind stalking McCronin. Cincinnati is an intriguing team to me. 24 and 3, 13 and 1 in conference. Just a loss at SMU, yeah. and it was close. They just ha- they have athletes. They they play a style of basketball like Virginia does. But quite frankly, Gus, they have better athletes. Washington, Clark, Calpain, Johnson, Evans. Mm-hmm. They're they're across the board tough. They're interchangeable. They hit threes. They 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 guard really well. They were eight of seventeen from three point range in this game. You called it, by the way. You said Cincinnati by twenty as we played in the intro. That's disturbing, eighty to sixty. <laughs> um, and they did cover the spread, which I think was sixteen. But really, like Cincinnati, they, they've upped their game. This is not the same Cincinnati team that we've seen in the past. They've no. upped their game. I think they lost. Well, they lost to Harvard, right? They lost to Harvard a couple of years ago in the first round. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. When they had the uh, the big time score guy, guy was really good for them, and, and they it still didn't get by it. This team's not getting upset in the first round. They're going to lock somebody down, and they're going to have real balanced scoring. They had five guys in doubles here. That's the recipe for winning. I, I think they're Sweet Sixteen good, if not beyond that good. I, I think people are kind of sleeping on this team, and I think people need to pay attention to this this edition of the Bearcats. Uh, hey, hold on. We got a two-banger for uh, the ACC coming up, and these two are like roller coaster games. Everyone's thinking they're in Canada, and they can drive like you know 90 RPM or 90 kilometers <laughs> per hour. But really, everybody's just scoring 90. That's what's happening here, okay? So first one is a little bit unpredictable for the team scoring 90 because Louisville holds off Virginia Tech, usually two like defensive-minded teams that are pretty disciplined and so on and so on, 94 to 90, and then Duke escapes Wake Forest, 99-94. Let's go Louisville first, shall we? This is the most points that Louisville has yielded in, like, forever. I don't have a stat on this, but it just seems like I can't even remember the last time they gave up 90 points. This Is this a change? Is this a new trend? Or is it just one of those February games where the team just came out flat and tired and they can't muster the same energy on D that defines the Louisville program? I'm going to say it's the latter I don't think this is a change in their in their character or like what defines this team. I think that every team has one of these games in February where you're just like, man, I, I just cannot muster up the same amount of energy needed to put forth the effort that coach is asking me. So I'm going to slough a little bit on D. I'm not going to box out as efficiently as I, I, I should. So I, I just think that's one of those games. Um, I'm going to say Coach Williams – Buzz Williams is awesome. He was coaching so hard that he sweated out of his shirt by the first half. Did you see this? No, I, I did not. <laughs> so, so the second half of the game, he came back in like a Virginia Tech, like, you know, Virginia Tech's like super bright orange, like just a Virginia Tech like practice jersey. So it was, it was a little bit of like a homage to Coach Huggins, like with the Huggins pullover for West Virginia, except it was just like, you know, like a, a, a micro tech uh, Virginia Tech t-shirt, which was totally awesome. So he still had on like his suit pants and his shoes, but then he had this bright orange Virginia Tech shirt on in the second half because he had l- literally sweat through his shirt in the first half. Uh, it was just classic. I loved it. Co- Coach Buzz Williams is amazing. P.S. Donovan Mitchell is still making his case for first team all ACC. He had 26 points in this one. Mike, is Louisville in trouble by giving up so many points or is this a blip? Uh, what, what was your view on this particular game? And then we'll get to Duke and Wake next. I'll tell you what, Louisville. Louisville is as two, as two-seat-ish 
as two seedish can be. Yeah, very good, very good. They they they, have, yes. they always get better. Patino does a great job, and I will tell you, you're going to watch basketball this week, folks. Watch it on Wednesday night. You have Duke, Syracuse. Gus will talk about them in a minute. This Louisville, North Carolina game is absolutely a big deal because, to me, Nova, Gonzaga, and Kansas are one seeds. Lock it up. They're one seeds. They are head and shoulders better. North Carolina is about to creep into that conversation. They, they are. really are. They are going to pound Duke at home, like you said, and they. this is the game. This Louisville game could swing me. If Louisville wins in North Carolina, I could put them on the one line. I am not worried about it. Buzz has the team playing well. Ask Virginia about that at home. Good point. I, I just North Carolina, to me, is danger. I put it on Twitter. This team can win the whole thing. No one is talking about them. They had a couple losses early. Joel Berry came back against Kentucky. This team could absolutely make the Final Four, and I am ready to slide them on the one line, but they have to beat Louisville on Wednesday night at home. Agreed. If we're just going to go on a, a little uh, you know, UNC tangent right here, they have all the ingredients. They have the bigs inside. They actually have like a three-headed monster inside you know, with Hicks and Bradley and Meeks. They have a great wing player in Jackson, and they have the steady point guard play of Joel Berry II. So they have all three ingredients, and they have great coaching. So like what, and they have experience. You check all the boxes. Yep. yep. So like everything that you want from a you know a potential champion, they have. I agree. Um, but yeah, we'll preview that game a little bit later for sure. That's a huge matchup. I can't wait to watch that game. I think it's going to be awesome. But hey, let's pay attention to Duke. And look, no one's mistaking Duke for Louisville or UVA uh, on the defensive end, but they can score. Luke Kennard goes for twenty three, and our guy Jason Tatum added another nineteen. And again, Duke will have the two best players on the floor from now until Duke loses its last game or wins the final game of the season. We feel like it'll be the former here. Strangely enough, or oddly enough, the Blue Devils still have like an outside shot to win the ACC outright. Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. It's nuts. It really is incredible. Like, like, did you ever think that with all the no. drama they had going on this season that that would still be an option with no like, way to go? Nope. So, huge game this week against the Orange for Duke. I bet they put up another 85 or 90 points. Are we still sounding the alarm for Duke, or are they riding the ship here, Mike? No, we're sounding the alarm because you're not coming home against Wake Forest, who's 6-9, and 15-12 overall, and squeaking out a win, and I'm sitting here saying no big deal. We're going to dismiss the game at home against Clemson because it was, you know, the hangover game. Then what was this game? What's, it, what's this game where they have no point guard, and no inside game, and no bench, What? when are we not? I think what Krzyzewski's doing is incredible. I give yeah. him all the credit in the world. This was a team they should have pounded at home, and they quite frankly, they didn't. And I, I'm sorry, a 99-94 win over a Wake Forest team is just not something that I'm going to sit here and ignore. At home, they were 48% from three-point range. They scored a lot of points, but Wake Forest is not good. And Emil Jefferson is vital for this team, and yep. he played very well. He had 16 points and seven rebounds. Tatum is the key. If Tatum continues to play like he has the last couple games, Duke is going to be a tough out. They got 12 from Frank Jackson. I like seeing that. That was very good. Mm-hmm. Bolden played six minutes. Giles played four. Gus, the problem is Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard are not defensive stoppers. So no. I just feel... Like in the tournament, and listen, they've done a great job. They are currently 
10 and 22 and 5, 10 and 4 in conference, tie with Louisville, one game behind North Carolina, half game up on Florida State, half game up on Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I cannot see this team making a Final Four. Emil Jefferson will get into foul trouble. Allen and Kennard are going to have to play defense, and they're going to play somebody that has an inside game. This was a. This just supports my argument. I, it's listen. I think Duke is doing what they can. I think the Shashevsky thing hurt them. I don't think Bolden has developed as fast as he have. They can no. score. That's tremendous. They can score. I just cannot see like Michigan State. Michigan State can't go anywhere this year. They have no point guard. They've struggled. Nick Ward inside is a freshman. The whole thing. If Tatum can have one of these magic carpet ride runs, they will yep. be very dangerous. But they're not playing a ton of defense. They have to outscore the opponent. They're not great in rebounding. They have no bench. Ugh, I, what what is the blueprint for them getting the final four? I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm with you. They don't. You know, we just went through the boxes that we checked for UNC to get there, and it seems like Duke doesn't check the same boxes that unc does as far as a potential champion goes no, and you also know what, you no, it does. They, you, i'm sorry you, they don't no, no, yeah go, they go, don't go. but if you're a coach of a one or two seed you don't want to see him in your brain no. <laughs> right so I, that's the that's the thing it's i have to be honest here if you're you're coaching louisville you want to see duke in your bracket no as a, as a seven seed which you're not going to be i'm just saying you know what i mean right right how about this uh you mentioned the percentages the other part that worries me and i think this makes them this gives even more credence to your argument of them falling prey to a first round or second round upset, whatever you want to call it, is their three-point percentage. They're so reliant on the three. So true. You, you threw out that they were like near 50% in this particular game. Just think if they shoot – what if they shoot 40% from three against Wake? Guess what happens? We're talking about how Wake pulled off a big upset. Gus, like, wait. it's just not sustainable. Like, Gus, it's not sustainable I, for a, a whole game. Yep. It's sustainable for, like, a half. And it's definitely not sustainable for six games uh, in a single elimination tournament. And Very well said. And let's add it up here. Wake Forest in Cameron Indoor Stadium in a game that Duke really needed to get right shot 50% from the field. And look, we love Danny Manning. Love him. But can we play some defense on an undermanned team? Gus, they got out-rebounded 33-30 out to 30 by Wake Forest. Suppose they play Cincinnati. How's that going to go on the boards? You know what I mean? Or suppose they play our next team, SMU. <laughs> so SMU, number 19, wins a huge road game over Houston in Guy v. Lewis Arena. 76-66. Semi Ojale has a, goes a little bananas and puts up numbers to further his case for player of the year in the conference. He has 22 and 9. SMU has a tough and I'm going to say tough road game at UConn later this week. Careful. Be careful there. The the Huskies are getting right. They're figuring out what to do with all of their injuries and they're trying to win games as desperately as possible. That is a that is a lookout game for SMU. Be careful there. Houston needed this game in a big way to firm up a March bid. Uh, they needed one of those signature wins, and now they have to wait until March second when they face Cincinnati to get that signature win. Hey, Mike, who loves SMU now, baby? Yeah, again, late to the party, but I'm staying late. They're gonna have to kick me out. Cue the closing time here because I'm not leaving. Closing time. <laughs> Gus is a great singer. This was this is one of these games. When you make a pick, or I make a pick, 
this is not the way it's supposed to go. I don't like it. I, I don't like uh, – fine, I won. I covered – what was it, three and a half, whatever it was. Gus, when oh, I'm great, si- great, great selection. When I'm sitting there, though, with my family on the, in the carousel, and I'm looking, and you're up 4-0, and it's 24-11 Houston with eight minutes left in the first half, first half, I'm like, this is over. So, yes, they did come back, and they did it the exact way they always do. They have the fabulous five. They do go six deep, but they have the fabulous five that play. 18 for Ben Moore. Semi with 22 and nine rebounds. What a wonderful player. Oh, Moore had 13. He's great. I love him. He's so he's incredible. Uh, 13 rebounds as well for Moore. Uh, Foster had 10. Uh, Shake Milton only had two points in this game, which was shocking. Um, listen, they've done a great job. This was a tough place to play. Nice win on the road. This, yep. is, Ke- this is Kelvin Sampson's team, by the way, in Houston. Great win, but I was nervous the whole way through. SMU is very, very good. They are a tough, tough five matchup. Now, listen, Shake had his hands fill, full in the backcourt um, because Houston's backcourt is very talented. Uh, so I, I'm impressed that they won the game with him only having two points. He had a lot to take care of on defense. Uh, speaking of defense, number nine, West Virginia, evens the overtime score with Texas Tech, 83-74. And this one took two overtimes, not one overtime like last time. And West Virginia makes sure they did not let another win slip away like they did at Kansas. They kind of had this game wrapped up, but they came back and showed some fortitude. Just love that these two teams match up so well that their two games needed three overtimes to solve it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, this is why we love the Big 12 and the round-robin schedule. Everybody gets a fair shot at everybody, and everybody gets two, a shot at each other on each other's home court. And I love that on both of these uh, interactions that they both needed overtime to settle the score. You know what? Texas Tech is playing everybody tough as nails in this Big 12, and they're just coming out on the losing end too many times. I think they're going to fall short in March. You know, we just mentioned that they lost a close overtime game to Iowa State. So, goodness gracious, they are playing people tough as nails, but I think they're just going to fall a little bit short in March. Are you still a little shaky on West Virginia? Or does a, a win like this, like a gut check win, kind of help you maybe see them in a different light? No, West Virginia stinks. And I was so angry. We went to get pizza with my kids. I was so angry because not only were you 4-0, you covered this game. And that was a BS cover. This, is a, BS this cover. is a G Great. podcast. It was a push. And I was so furious because Texas Tech kept this game close. It was typical West Virginia at home against a mediocre team. By the way, tonight they beat Texas by 15. The spread was 16. Okay, typical, <laughs> typical. Right, noise in the neighborhood. Gus, if this game is on the road, they're losing and they're losing big. Carter yeah. scores big at home. He had 24. He had three threes. Phillip threw in 15. Miles gave him 11. Adrian, he's he got against against uh, you know Baylor. He's unstoppable. He's three points in this game. I'm not buying West Virginia. I'm not. I'm sticking to my guns. That's what I'm going to do now. I'm, we're rounding to March. We're getting a feel for the teams and what we like. I don't like West Virginia. Everyone scores six. You've got to generate off the press. If they play a team with guards, they're not going to turn it over. Lost to Oklahoma at home. Lost to Oklahoma State at home. Play Texas Tech at home. Should have lost this game. Done. I'm done with West Virginia. Great job by Huggy. Hope he's okay tonight. He actually collapsed in the game a little bit, but he stayed in the game tonight against against uh, uh, Texas. So I hope he's okay with the health. I just don't think the talent is there, and I think they're going to run into teams that are better. I think they play a team like St. Mary's. I know Gonzalo Beatty is going to say something for us right now on Twitter. They play right. St. Mary's, they're losing. The only thing 
that I'm going to throw your direction to maybe sway your thinking is there was a magic bender sighting tonight for West Virginia. Is that changing your mind at all? Yeah, Bender came back. Us, you know, zero points, ten minutes. No, I'm not. I'm not buying okay. it. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I just. I'm grasping I, at straws here to see if we can change your mind. No, I, I, this team is just flawed. Outside of the Baylor pounding when we did Alpha undefeated pie, they have not impressed me ever, ever. I'm sorry on the road, Texas Tech. I, I'm just. I'm not buying it. I, I don't like them. I just. He's doing a great, again, similar to Virginia. He's doing a great job with his talent. I don't think there's any great individual players on this team. I don't see NBA players necessarily. Maybe a couple guys make rosters, but impact players. But no, I'm not buying West Virginia. Now, listen, all depends on the bracket. Could I see a trip depending on the teams they play where I could like them? Sure. Sure. Last year they went out in the first round. I have no whatsoever, inkling whatsoever, that I'm going to like them to go to a Sweet 16. Listen, you know what we're going to do next? We're just going to run through three games that you nailed correctly. You ready for this? You can just gloat. You can just sit there and say, that's right. You can say, oh, yeah. However you want to handle it, Mike Randall, please enjoy the spoils. Number five, Arizona wins by less than 10, correctly called by Mike Randall, at Washington, 76-68. Hey, look. If Lauren Markin puts up 26 and Alonzo Trier puts up 21, then you're going to lose, no matter who you are. Not dissimilar to Duke. Arizona is going to have two of the best players on the floor every single night with Trier and Markin. Um, and by the way, this was not the case this particular game because Markel Fultz was on the court and he put up 26. But with those two guys playing at such a high level, Arizona is going to be tough to beat. If you throw in like Kobe Simmons or maybe you want to throw in – uh, Comanche, or if you want to tr- throw in Ristic as like a, another difference maker, go ahead. But as far as I'm concerned, if you can possibly have the two best players on the floor every single night, you're going to have a chance to win every single game. And that's the way Arizona is going to operate from here on out. Um, Mike, congratulations. You called it. Yeah, I just felt locked in on this one. You know, Blind Squirrel finds a nut. I, I, th- they had no Ristic, they had no Allen. And they played with both players at home against Was- uh, against Washington, and Washington kept the game close. Fultz was going to have a night. I knew he was going to have a good night because, you know, it's, he's thinking about the NBA draft. And listen, you, they're a prideful team, Washington. Lorenzo, Lorenzo Romar does a great job. They're only 2-13 and 13 in conference. I just thought it was too many points. And listen, it was still close. I mean, what, I get 9.5 and they won by 8? So let's not go. I'm not going to go break into this one. It's not like Washington won the game outright, but... I'll take the win, but it was just really on the road. They don't blow anyone out. Yet, surprisingly enough, I just love Arizona, and I can easily pick them to the Final Four, even though I'm continuing to say they're not going to blow anyone out. But, yeah, it was just faults. It was home. It was watching them play that first game, and I just thought it was a good matchup for them. The gracious Mike Randall. Next Mike Randall bullseye is Marquette overpowers Xavier, 83-61. And look – Life without your starting backcourt and possibly like honorable mention all-American backcourt or at least all-Big East, uh, all-first-team Big East backcourt on the road is a 20-point loss waiting to happen. And that's exactly what happened here for Xavier. It's a nice win for the Golden Eagles, just like Northwestern. They are getting closer and closer to March with every single win, no matter who that win is against. And Mike, it must be nice to be right about the grind that is the Big East. Again, are we going to hear gracious Mike Randall here? Are we going to hear a little gloating? Come on. 
I, I can't gloat when a team is devastated by injuries. I think I just got lucky and grabbed this one before you, you saw it because you can't tell me you're losing Sumner and blew it and you're playing a Marquette team right. that beat Villanova at home and they're desperate. They think they can still make the tournament. You know Wojo slapping, sure the, slapping the floor. 16-10 mm-hmm. and 10 now, 7-7 seven and seven in conference. The game was 19-2. to two. Had I, had I watched this game and they were nineteen to two, I would have felt really good about it. But it was forty two thirty at the half. This was an easy one. It was just the injuries. I, I'm not gloating about injuries. No, no, blew it. No Sumner to me. I just got lucky and grabbed it for you. Did but yeah, Marquette is Marquette's gutty. They're going to play hard at home. They beat Villanova at home. You're playing Xavier with me and you in the backcourt. I think it's an easy pick. Finally, one last Mike Randall uh, correct pick. Comet sighting. Look in the sky, folks. That's right. UCLA is back flying through the sky. They win 102 to 70 over USC. That's right. They joined the 100 club here, people. The Bruins even the score here after a loss earlier this season. And hmm, are you paying attention to what I'm paying attention to here? I know. You're you're confused. You're 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 looking at the 100 score, aren't you? Now that's not the number to be paying attention to here, folks. It's the 70 points. Did something click here? Did that thing that we were kind of hoping for that happened in the second half of the Oregon game happen for an entire game against a really talented offensive team? I, I think it might have. Did the five or six days off help cement that change for UCLA? If so, it is worth watching moving forward during March. And this weekend will help tell the story if this change is a permanent change or is it a blip on the radar? With Arizona coming in, man, what a game. That's going to be totally rocking. I can't wait for that this weekend, total game of the weekend. Um, but, Mike, what are you paying more attention to to here? The 100 points that our Comet UCLA put up or the 70 points that they gave up? You know what I'm paying attention to? The Pac-12 has the top, strongest top three teams in all of college basketball. I don't care, ACC. I don't want to hear it from you. Arizona, Oregon, and UCLA. All three of those teams can make the Final Four. UCLA is focused. That Oregon game, Gus, was a huge turning point for them. This team is alive. They are a national title contender. The Balance, Leaf 19, Welsh inside 16, Alford, five threes at home, 26 points. Hamilton pumps in 13, Ball 15. Holiday didn't have to score. He had seven. Didn't even have to score for this team. This team is dangerous. They are a dangerous club. They're going to start playing defense now. Folks, watch out for UCLA. Big, big win on this one. WCC double shot time. Bartender, give me a double. Number 22, St. Mary's garners a tough road win at BYU 70-57. to Our guy, Calvin Hermanson, was huge here. 17-6, just another stout game on D for the Gales. They held BYU to under 40% shooting for the game and under 30% from three. Look, the Gales are clearly a top 25 team, a sweet 16 16 threat, and even a final four dark horse that Mike Randall has called preseason. No doubt all those things could happen, which I think leads even more evidence to that number one Gonzaga is just too good for Pacific, and they win 82-61. And maybe they're just too good for anyone. There's just two games left until they finish the regular season undefeated. It'll be the first undefeated regular season team uh, since Carl Anthony Towns' Kentucky team in 2014 and 2015. And if you didn't grab an opportunity to view this team, please do. Stay up late. Hashtag basketball narcolepsy. 
They will not disappoint you. Trust us on this one. Alpha Undefeated Pie Parties On. Pump the music. Mike Randall, anything to add for our double shot here? Yep, Hackman, four fouls, seven points. Great job, Jock Landell. You're guaranteeing that your team is going to lose that 7-10 game that you're going to play in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You have to learn how to play without fouling. Give Bill Self a call. Talk to those guys, Landon Lucas especially. They've they've earned it. The Gonzaga one, folks, let's be honest. Gus gave 30, okay? I mean, 29, whatever it was. I mean, you know, he likes Gonzaga. But again, like I said, the only way to beat this guy with the picks is to try to force him to go there. I mean, who's given 29? What, they went by 24? I mean, come on. What, I mean, that was, you know, to me, that's that's right in the ballpark. Look, but. look we, all, we all sometimes make picks with our heart. That was a pure with the heart pick. I was just rooting for my guys to finish it off. Let's go. Let's go, Zach. Yeah, pick with our heart. Guys, over the last two years, we've tracked this. When I have picked for or against Kansas and Michigan State, either way, for or against Kansas and Michigan State, I'm 0 and 13. <laughs> so talk about picking with, with your heart and head. But anyway, yeah, great win for Gonzaga. They're really good. Don't get lulled into thinking that they're not that good. They are. No way they're losing. They're not losing in the conference tournament. Stop it with St. Mary's. Landell come in. Hackman, we love him. Great. If he stays out of foul trouble, they can beat anyone. If he gets in foul trouble, they can lose in the first round. So when you're filling out your bracket and you look at the St. Mary's game, say to yourself, is Hackman in foul trouble or not? If he's not, they're going to win. If he is, they're going to lose to anyone. Hey, listen. This is much like the Valley and much like when we talked about Wichita State earlier. Everybody is rooting for the the round three with these two teams in the conference finals. I'm rooting for it. You're rooting for it. I know you're kind of soured on it. Oh, Gus, they're going to get killed. They'll get killed again. What's the schematic? What do you see as the schematic that keep that game close? Even your metrics had Gonzaga, what, by 15 at St. Mary's? It's just so frustrating because I feel like they should be better. They returned all five starters. Oh, my God. They would get smoked if they played again. Again, it speaks to the uncanny greatness of of Gonzaga this year. It That's may. all it does. It it's not anything. It's not nothing bad on St. Mary's. Same, like we said, St. Mary's is a great team. Sweet 16, Dark Horse Final Four, no doubt. Gonzaga's great. They should be appreciated as that, and they everybody should start appreciating them as great from here on out and just enjoy the ride that they're giving us. That's all. Hey, speaking of enjoying the ride, let's take a little ride down Broadway. What do you say, my man? Hit it. On Broadway. All right, we're going to go back to our uh, rapid fire Broadway feels, not necessarily picks, but just a couple of things to pay attention to for the upcoming games this week. We're going to stick to the top twenty-five and maybe a couple more. Uh, so, Mike Randall, are you got? Are you ready? Are you going to hop on the couch again, and then we'll do our normal thing? Getting uh, getting comfy here. Head back, Freud. An ink blot is an ink blot. A cigar is a cigar. Go ahead. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Tuesday, South Carolina is going to head to number 13, Florida. By the way, I'll say that again. Number 13, Florida. The Gamecocks are unranked for the first time, which seems like in a long time. Uh, Frank Martin is going to have the best player on the floor. Your guy, Sidarius Thornwell, in this matchup. Uh, Chris Gioza is playing a little bit out of his head. The Gators are at home. Mike Randall, cigar, butterfly, what are you feeling? You smell that? I'm smelling an upset. No John Abunu got injured. He's out for the year for Florida. They're having to find different ways to win. They're struggling inside. This is a South Carolina team trending the wrong way right now. 
I think this is a frisky one. I think they find themselves in South Carolina pulls the upset here. I do. And I still like Florida, but they're due to be tripped up. They're really struggling with him. Not, they're trying to find the lineup now inside. Maybe mm. Casey Hill is good for another six, seven turnovers in this game. Thornwell's the best player on the floor. Car- South Carolina needs it. Frank Martin, intense eyes. I'll take the Gamecocks. By the way, just to recircle back to our initial Monte Morris uh, conversation, Casey Hill, I think, was 3.5 turnovers per game. Just to throw it out there for you. I still love watching him. He's great. I love watching him, too. Uh, hey, do the Aces cover at number 25, Wichita State? I don't think so. This is your strength. I, I would say no because Wichita State is hot. What do you got for me? I think Wichita State rolls, okay, and good. I think this might be another 20-point win at home for the Shockers. Yeah, I think That's so. That's what I'm feeling. Okay, good. I, this is your realm. I, I, I just am nervous, but I, I would have said Wichita State easy. Okay. Number 11, Kentucky continues their flight under the radar, and they're going to head to Mizzou. Uh, I bet that they continue their slower pace of play here. I also bet that they continue some improved defense here. Um, does the layoff help the Wildcats, or does it hurt the Wildcats because they're freshmen and they're so scatterbrained? Wildcats are going to start rolling here. They start with this game at Mizzou. They're playing defense. They're getting balance. Fox, Monk, you know, Bam, the freshmen getting tired. Briscoe leads them. I like Calipari defending the coaches getting fired midseason like Gottfried. I think Kentucky rolls. I kind of like that defense that he had, too. I also like the Wildcats rolling here. I also like a Wildcat blowout here. I can feel like a 72-53 type game here, like a 20-point win with the other team barely scoring 50 points. That's what I'm feeling here. Now, this is the big one, okay? We got number 7, Louisville, heading down to number 8, UNC. It feels like a number 1 seed might be on the line here for March, just like you mentioned earlier. If Louisville defends like it did against Virginia Tech, this will be ugly. If UNC defends like it did against UVA, it will get uglier. But if both teams trend to their character, it's going to be a classic and it's going to be a great one to watch. You know what I'm going to say? Give me UNC at home. After a slow start, UNC gets a few easy secondary break opportunities and that helps pad their lead a little bit. There's going to be tons of bigs here. Battle on the boards. I think foul trouble will also be an issue here. Give me UNC in a tight one, pulling away late. UNC cements their one seed here. Louisville cements their two seed. UNC is going to win at home. What's the score going to be? High. (laughs) Uh, I, I think that UNC will win by 10. I think they will pull away. Patino will have them ready to go. UNC is that much better than Louisville, but Louisville is really, really good. Maybe they get to bang with the bigs inside on the board. Mitchell plays well. Snyder plays well. But UNC becomes a one seed for sure after this game. I'm totally looking forward to the point guard matchup. Joel Berry versus Quinn Snyder. Both have a penchant for playing great in big games. This is a big game for both of them. I think whoever has the bigger game, the more impactful game, will come out on top. I think that's a matchup to pay attention to, just in case you weren't paying attention to it before. TCU is desperate for a big win, and they head to Fairy Dust, number three, Kansas in the fog. I'm feeling like this will follow the script that Kansas games have followed pretty much all time this season in the Big 12, right? It'll be a little closer than you think early, and then KU pulls away later with some Jackson and Mason like performing some sort of like all-American type level play, and uh, they pull away late. That's what I see here. Yeah, they're playing much like SMU. They're not super deep, 
right? Mm. So th- because they don't play a lot of aggressive defense early, teams hang around with Kansas out of necessity. Kansas will pull this game out eventually at home. But I, I just think it's I think it's a brilliant coaching job by self. And I think the kids are buying in and Mason and Jackson, the whole group. I think Kansas wins. It's just, like you said, TCU will stay close. There was a bet, Gus. You, I don't know. You can bet the, what, the first half. If like there was some spread where you could take TCU in the points in the first half, that's the bet on this game. I, I love that you're giving first half Sorry. betting yes, information yes. to people. That's amazing. I mean, I, where else are you going to get that? That's outrageous. I'm hot. And, I'm hot. I'm six, can, three, and one from the weekend. I'm hot. I'll just keep rolling. So can we can we go back to one little nugget that you said there that's going to get total trampled on by the rest of what we're talking about? But Bill Self is doing a great job, and the way that he's coaching this team and the rotation that he has playing right now, the result of that is close games. Like the fact that you've identified that is a huge key moving forward. So expect that. But then he's having trust in his all-American type players like Jackson and Mason and his all-Big 12 player like uh, Devontae Graham to go ahead and pull it out in crunch time. And he's trusting those players to do that, which is not really a Bill Self type thing to do if you pay attention to him in the past, trusting his players to win the game. He wants to have control over that thing. I like that he's giving his players a little freedom here. Totally true. I, I this is a, this is a Kansas win. They're just doing a great job. They win this game. I think they can lock up. I mean, they lock up a tie, right? But there's yeah. only a four games left. But they win this right. game. They can lock up the Big Twelve, and I think they're going to do it at home. Number ten, Duke heads upstate to New York to test that orange zone. I'm just going to say, be careful here, Duke. Careful. That zone is pretty tricky, and I don't know if you're going to be able to solve it. We'll see if your offensive weapons can do it. But I'm just going to say, be careful here. Syracuse going to win the game. That's Very simple. Be careful. Syracuse going to win the game. They're going to pound them inside. Duke's not going to be able to play defense. They're going to hit some bombs. They need this game badly. Um, no bench whatsoever. Syracuse winning this game. You feeling a big game from Andrew White the third? I am. No, no doubt. They're, they're winning this. I don't care what the spread. I can't wait to see the spread in this game. No doubt, Syracuse win this game. Totally the confident. The game is going to be really interesting. Yeah. I agree. It's, that's worth paying attention to. Huge Big Ten tilt, Mike Randall. Mini heads to Chesapeake Bay and to number four, number twenty-four, Maryland. Do the Terps get right at home? Does Mini pull off a much-needed road win here? Does Mello win another one of these games by himself before the season's over? Mike Randall, are you writing about it? I have questions about all these things. Please straighten all these things out for us. Uh, well, I think Maryland's going to have a big win here. Uh, it, it, really under the radar. Did you notice that that um, Maryland pulled their players out of the game? With about a minute and a half left down 10, he pulled all the starters out. And I would not say that the game was definitely over. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen, but he did like some um, massive. Especially this season. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it was a very odd move that he did there. So I think this is a get right game for Maryland. Uh, I do write on the Thursday game, Gus, the what did we learn? Uh, so we're going to have Nebraska, Michigan State, or Wisconsin, Ohio State. Those are going to be my choices. Uh, right now, I think I'm leaning Wisconsin, Ohio State, so I can yeah, jump back on Nigel Hayes, who, by the way, to be fair, showed uh-huh. up in a big way against nice Maryland. Nice double-double. And that's what he has to do. Thank you. Thank you, Nigel Hayes. Thank we you. We applaud that's Nigel. What, that's what he needs to do. But I think I'll take Wisconsin, Ohio State this week. But Maryland, I think, gets right in this game. Number 22, Butler, heads to number two, Villanova. Feeling like a but- I'm feeling like Butler has no shot in the pavilion. Just no shot. Uh, I'm loving how Villanova is balling out right now. Uh, I bet the thing worth paying attention to here is the over-under. I'm going to say lean towards the under. 
I haven't seen the number yet, but that might be the way to go here. Yeah, Butler's chances, Zip and Pip, and Pip left town. Next. <laughs> number six, Ducks. Your Oregon Ducks. Your preseason Final Four pick, Oregon Ducks. Head to where? That's right. We're going to bring it full circle here on Screen to Screener Podcast. You ready, folks? They are heading to California. California, here we come. They're heading to California. And much like the Ducks, careful, Ducks. Careful. Much like Duke heading to Syracuse, I think this is a tricky game. These are two underrated teams on the defensive end. Both teams are ranked in the top 15 on defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, which is wow. I bet you didn't think either one of those teams were. Both are. Um, I bet the Ducks' bigs play a little bit better, a little bit more efficient, and Pritchard makes some shots late. Give me the Ducks on a close one with Pritchard, the freshman, winning it for him. Yeah, good, great call. I just don't think Cal can win this game. Oregon is really good on the road. You know, it's interconference game favorite on the road. Everything you would expect. Quanzo Martin not buying. You can pull this upset. Ducks are flying high right now. They want the Pac the Pac twelve title. I'll take Oregon. I agree. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for hanging in there with us. I hope you didn't mind the musical accompaniment along the way. Congratulations to Mike Randall on his weekend win on our 10-pack of games. We'll try. To, if you guys liked it, we'll go ahead and do it again, perhaps in a smaller model next weekend. So uh, thank you, listeners out there, for following along with us. We also want to say thank you to the tech department. Tech department, thanks for giving us all those stats to plug into this podcast for you guys. Technology. Virginia has scored 144 points over the last three games. It's fewest over a three-game span in the season since 1951 in December. Uh, wow. Um, That's from ESPN you. Stats and Information. But. Unbelievable <laughs> stat. Wow. Uh, again, take the under. Um, thank you, Belljar. Do you think they do a, a, a cover of California from Fandom Planet? Oh, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to Yeah, we should it. ask them that, right? Definitely. All right. I'll, I'll ask when I brought it to them later on this week. Um, and hey, do you think Marcus McDuffie sets the screen? Marcus Marcus McDuffie sets the screen, and he looks to get open after the screen. Folks, Gus singing. We're going out here with a little California Phantom Planet. This was a lot of fun. If you're gonna beat them, you got to try to come at something different. Ten picks. We'll be back. Great games this week. March is coming. We may not sleep. Driving in the sun, looking up for number one. California, here we come, right back where we started from. Well,